Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Aren't you glad you came today? You showed up? Come on, how many of you fought the alarm a little bit? How many just... God already knows. This is a place of honesty. Confession is good for the soul. How many are like snooze button people? Come on, you push that snooze. How many of you set your alarm so you can actually push snooze a couple times? We, anyone that does that, including me, just needs a little counseling. But we can join a small group and work through that. So uh, this church has the favor of God on it. And here's one of the reasons I know that because of the leadership that God has allowed to step into the roles that they're in here. And what's beautiful is, is the previous decades paint a picture of the future of what God wants to do. But here's what, I, I felt this, I, I told Pastor, Pastors John and, and Kim, as Joanna and I were connecting with them, that the future of this church is greater than the past of this church. And by the way, that's not an indictment, that is to the honor and glory of God. So I just want to say we honor you guys. We're so grateful for the friendship that we have. As we've walked around, I hear your heart. I, I hear the vision, the, the four pillars. I'm going to call them anchors today just for 28 and a half minutes. Uh, but thank you for the lives you've lived. The influence and the voice that pastors uh, John and Kim both have outside of this area is significant. And I know God's called you to here, and that's, this has captured your heart. But thank you for the way you've loved people led, and you are a voice to this nation. So would you take a moment to honor your pastors? <clears throat> I'm so grateful that um, Joanne, my best friend and, and love, is here. We're, we're also married, and, um, which is probably good, right? And so Joanne, would you stand real quick? This is Joanne, and we've been married now 30 years, and we are picking up steam. Come on, how many have been married for 50 years or more? Let me see your hands. Listen, we honor you. Honestly, we, come on, just, we celebrate you. For those that raise your hand, thank you for reminding us that marriage works. Honestly, we just, that's a legacy. And we just honor that. So we're, at some point, we hope to catch you. Maybe go a little past, but uh, I wanna show a picture of our family. Anytime I have the privilege to teach or preach, we say across the street or around the world, I text this group called The Seven of Us. So here's four of them right there. So these are our sons on the outside, Justice on the left, Josiah on the right. And you're like, how come they look like that? My wife is Samoan. I am Norwegian. And so at our house, every day, something was pillaged or burned when they were growing up. And so I just want to, if you're taking notes, pillage before you burn, okay? It's very important. Next to them are their wives, Josiah's wife, Maria, and Justice and his wife, Brittany, and they, Justice and Brittany, have blessed us to be grandparents. We got a picture here with Joanne. And so, oh, no, I sent the one with her eyes closed. Imagine her eyes. They're so pretty. They're brown. Okay. But what a blessing um, to not just be here, to be a part, but to be a part of the family of God. And I, I come to you today to teach and preach um, with the prayer covering of the seven of us, Joanne, our sons, our daughter in loves, and Sophia doesn't know yet, but she's a woman of prayer already. So um, I want to talk today, though, as we wrap up, um, Jesus said this, 
your, will be, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the theme of as in heaven, I love that theme. And I want to talk to you today for just a few minutes about being anchored. Now, here's the thing about being anchored. You don't really realize the importance of an anchor until a storm hits. Feel free to respond back. That's okay. But isn't it true? Like every, everything's fine. You're like, I don't need an anchor. And then something goes sideways. So between my sophomore and junior year at Northwest University, uh, one of my basketball teammates, um, Dighton, connected with me as the season was coming to an end. And he said, listen, I'm a captain of a fishing boat out of Kodiak, Alaska. And I'd like you to consider being one of my deckhands. I want you to be on my team. And I had no idea. I grew up outside of Seattle on the water, but I had never worked on a fishing boat. And so he says, it's an awesome boat. You'll make a bunch of money. And I'm like, pay for school, make money, adventure of a lifetime, sign me up. So he says, do you want to get an idea of the kind of boat we're going to be on? I'm like, of course. So he takes me to downtown Seattle and the boat that his, he owned called FV Steadfast, fishing vessel Steadfast was on dry dock. So it's a 65-foot boat. It looked huge on these blocks of wood. And we did a tour of, uh, of the boat. And so I, I, I wandered around the deck. I went into the top house. I sat in the captain's chair. He's like, don't get too comfortable. And so I, uh, I would be on shift for like four-hour shifts when everyone else was asleep. I was like, I'm in charge. I am the captain now, okay? So it's a whole nother message, but... Uh, I went into the galley. I'm like, we're going to have some meals in here. I went into the bathroom, which is like a phone booth, for those of you that remember what phone booths are. Uh, you know what I never asked about? I never once even thought about? Does this thing have an anchor? I even looked in the engine room. But at no, no point when I'm touring this ship did I ever even think, does it have an anchor? And here's why this is important. Storms are part of life. And y'all know what I'm talking about because it's, it's that unexpected phone call. It's the diagnosis. It's the downsizing. It's, I thought this was gonna be different. It's the unexpected, seemingly separation that maybe even ended in divorce. And you're like, what happened? How did this storm come out of nowhere? Here's the thing. Storms do not call ahead. They kick the door in and they surprise us. And when you're in a storm... You need an anchor. I love what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, which we know he was directing and often correcting this group of people. And here's what he writes. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, you see the counterbalance of both? One of them is a huge storm, the other one is this resolve and this hope an anchor holds. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And what Paul is declaring to the church there is you're going to have difficulties, you're going to have setbacks and sideways situations, but in the midst of it, there's an anchor that holds firm. Now, Jesus, in his own words, in John chapter 16, he's speaking to his disciples and the people with him about the grieving they're going to have when he goes away. And yet he's also reminding them of the power and the presence 
of the Spirit of God and the Heavenly Father. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. You know where peace is found? In Christ. Not on the screen, but another verse says that God gives peace that the world doesn't understand. It'll guard the hearts and minds of those in Christ Jesus. So sometimes in a storm, you're like, how come I have this peace? Because you have the person of Jesus in your life. You have the person, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter, who's present with you. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Why? Because in this world, you'll have trouble. You're gonna have storms. Don't be surprised when the storms come. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. You know, there's something that every one of us in this room, those watching online, people past, people future, and people present all wrestle with. The most spiritual person in this room, Pastor Kim, all of us have, thank you, have the same susceptibility, and here's what it is. We all have a tendency to drift. The, the, the writer of the beautiful hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. <clears throat> prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord, and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. All of us in this room have a tendency and a, and a propensity to wander. That, by the way, that doesn't make you bad. That makes you human. The cats that spent three and a half years with Jesus all wandered. So you're in good company. Moses wandered. I mean, every key Bible character had these moments where you're like, like I'm reading through the Bible again this year, okay? And I'm reading about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm like, those cats, God, how did you bless them? I mean, they're, they're squirrely. And I'm like, I'm so grateful you do because I can relate to that. Every one of us in this room have a tendency, our natural tendency is to drift. So Joanne is, is from Hawaii. I call her my Polynesian beauty, and what a gift she's been. Best friend since I was 16, she was 17. So on our 25th wedding anniversary, like five years ago, we had saved up money, and we went to, to Maui for a chunk of time for vacation. And we'd been coming out of a really heavy, <clears throat> I wouldn't say overwhelming, but just like the pedal to the metal type season. Like it's just, we're doing hard things. We're saying yes and the favor of God, but yet there's just stuff. It's a weighty season. So like Jesus, we got away. By the way, God modeled this to have a Sabbath, to pause. And when you pause, it's not that you're quitting. You're actually getting rejuvenated to get back in the fight. So that's intentional rest in preparation to get back in the battle. So we're there in Maui, and um, I've, I discovered in the last gathering that you probably wouldn't get an air mattress around here at an ABC store because it's a liquor store, okay? But in Hawaii, the ABC store is not a liquor store. I'm sure you could get booze there, but it's got everything, snacks and groceries, and, and I bought us a couple of air mattresses, high-quality, super nice ish. And so, um, Joanne Vollen told me to blow them up. And so that wasn't, I didn't take more than an hour. It wasn't that big a deal. Thanks for your kindness and compassion for me. And once my breathing recovered, I was, we're ready. Okay. 
And, and then we get all, you know, sunscreened up. I need more than her, okay? And be careful on the laughter there, okay? Have you ever tried to get onto an air mattress when you have basically like uh, Valvoline oil lubed all over you? Okay, it's very, there's a lot of slipping around, right? Okay, so I'm like, I'm holding her air mattress and here's what we discovered. You put one leg over, air mattress is there. You lean back, you feel, okay. So we finally get onto our air mattresses, which honestly, if anyone had filmed it, it would have been on those programs, like, you know, funny human videos, okay? And we're finally on their air mattresses. And it was just this moment of peace. I'm, I'm dead serious. It was like nourishing to our souls. The wind is just gentle. It's warm, but not hot. The, the smells of the, the aroma of the islands is just, ah, the sky is blue. We're just, and then a wave comes and it kind of separates us. And we're like, well, we didn't come on anniversary trip to be separated, right? So I'm like, we got to stay together. So I grab onto the edge of her air mattress and that was relaxing until the next wave came. And it's like, and she's just over there. Okay, and I'm trying to not have my shoulder dislocated. So I'm like, well, that's not working. So I discovered if I throw my leg over top of her leg, we can weather whatever waves hit us and not separate. So I'm like, this is perfect, solve it. And she says, you can't have your leg there. I'm like, no, I fixed it. We can't, it hurts my arm. She said, no, you can't because I'll get a tan line. And I said to her, you're already brown, okay? Well, as the story would unfold, her leg would be over top of mine, and um, we did stay together. And finally again, and we relaxed. I don't know if it was 10 minutes, 15, wasn't that long, but I hear this music playing, and I peek my head up, and we have drifted about a quarter of a mile from our resort down the beach. We're, not, we're, we're a ways now from, water-wise, we're a ways from our resort. And I'm like, how did this happen? I'm like, we just put our head back, and here's how it happened. Currents. And here's the thing, every one of us, even being here today, you've put yourself in a current that's taking you somewhere. And the thing about a current is it's imperceptible to the human eye, but it's very much felt. It's, it's the leaf in the wind. You can't see the wind, but you see the ripple effects of the wind. It's any parent with a teenager and your wallet. Like, there was money there before, where is it now, right? So here's the question. If our natural tendency is to drift, here's two questions. Why do we drift, and how do we avoid the drift? Or if we're not going to avoid totally, how do we put ourselves in the, the right current? Here's what I've discovered in my life. There are times where, and there's two of these, there's these two places, and they're the same words, but they're different meanings. And here's what it is. How did I get here? How did I get here? And it's marked by regret and disillusionment and frustration. How did I get here? I thought I was, I thought I was past this. I thought I was, I'd broken free from that. I, I thought I, did, I wasn't going to wrestle with that anymore. I thought my attitude was different. I, I thought my response was different. I thought I would be Christian in traffic. How did I get here? And here's the other one. How did I get here? Thank you, God. 
how did I get here? The peace, the purpose, life on purpose for a purpose. How did, how did I get here relationally? How did I get here with the favor of God over my life? How did I get here? And, and we live in both of these, and the answer to both of them is we put ourselves in currents that took us somewhere. Now, if you are living in this area right now of how did I get here, I wrote this in my notes. Your past does not define you and it doesn't determine who you are. You're not most marked by the gross sin or regret. You're most marked in Christ by his salvation, by his grace, by the new life that's in him. And you can make the shift from how did I get here to how did I get here? And you put yourself, and you're doing it right now. If those watching online, you might be on the treadmill, you might be driving to work, but you're putting yourself in a current that is taking you somewhere. And then when the storm hits, the question is, is my life anchored and tethered to the source, to the one? I love what the writer of Hebrews says. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. I I want you to see a picture where near where Joanne and I used to live. This is Tacoma. This is the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And you'll see the picture in a second. It's beautiful. Isn't this a beautiful scene? So they call it Tacoma Narrows because this is on the Puget Sound and it's where the land narrows, which is why they built a bridge there. Okay. Because it's like not wide, the Tacoma Wides, it's the Tacoma Narrows. So they built a bridge and it cuts off about an hour and a half of commute time on the peninsula. But what's interesting, because it narrows, when the tide goes in and the tide goes out, even though you can't see it, there is a huge current that flows through there. And if you were to watch a boat, when the tide is going out, it's trying to come that way, it is having to punch it for all it's worth because the water is racing through there. And here's the thing about narrows. In, In the parts of your life that get narrow, when things get pinched, Sometimes we find ourselves feeling the current and the, and the rapid and the weight of a moment or a season. And we've got to pay more careful attention to what we've heard. Why? Because our natural tendency is to drift away. The writer of Hebrews continues eight chapters later, and they say this, let us hold unswervingly. What does that mean? It means I'm going to anchor myself. I'm going to tether myself. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Non-scientific poll, show of hands, three questions. How many of you had a, have a good memory? Let me use your hands. Okay. This is way more than the last gathering. This is a sharper game, okay? Okay. How many of you have a bad memory? Come on, it's okay, we're at church. God already knows, okay? And then how many don't remember the question? Okay, if you don't remember the question, you're in category two, okay? But I think our natural tendency, I know mine is, is to let go of stuff we should hold on to and then to hold on to stuff we should let go of. Come on, some of y'all are mad at someone for something they did in fourth grade, which is fine if you're in fourth and a half grade, but if you're 42, there's a problem. We hold on to stuff. And what we do is we put ourselves in currents that take us somewhere. And then a storm hits and the current gets faster because life gets pinched and it gets more narrow and it gets more rapid. And we're like, God, what do I, 
what do I do? I love the writer, I love what James says in James chapter two, which when I read it, you're like, that's absurd. Like, have you ever wanted to use a black highlighter in your Bible? Like, I don't really wanna do that, right? Like we, we highlight, come on, how many of you have ever highlighted a verse? Yellow, pink, green, whatever, maybe digitally, I have a bunch of those verses. But sometimes there's ones where like, not only do I not wanna do that, but that's really difficult. And the writer says this, consider it pure joy. That seems extreme, okay, James? But consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> this is the person that when they grade on the curve in class, they were the curve, right? This is the overachiever in this moment. Consider it pure joy. Now you'll get why in a second. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face storms, situations and setbacks, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's a ripple effect and an outcome. We go, I don't wanna be tested. A test is not just a chance to fail, it's a chance to pass. And it's a chance for us to say, I didn't, I didn't used to respond that way. I used to drift to this place, but... I respond different now. I'm not the same person I used to be. God is doing something in me. He's transforming me from the inside out. And he says, the writer says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, the mission of Calvary, and I love these pillars. I'm just gonna, it's multiplication mindset. And what that means is, what that this church exists for people who aren't here yet. That it's not just about the person that, oh, I sit by the same seven people. By the way, that's over here, it's super healthy, community expansion. So you have community, but there's other people that you're inviting in. The circle's not closed, it's open, right? What about this one, missional generosity. This is a incredibly generous church. And what's so powerful is that you reap what you sow. And no seed that goes unplanted will produce anything. But when we say, I'm gonna steward, God, everything you give me, my talent, my time, all of the stuff is to invest in your kingdom. And then legacy stewardship. That's stuff that lives decades and decades beyond us. That's on purpose for a purpose. And that's the ripple effect. That's the overflow of a life that's anchored in Jesus and continues to say, how do I put my life and my resources in a current to propel the gospel? We would say all the time at New Hope, people will often see the gospel before they hear the gospel. And that's you bringing the good news to the community. It's you with your coworker and your classmate and your neighbor and even your family member. But there's a tension we all live with, and I call these false anchors. The false anchor is this. It's this idea that, that that relationship was gonna be that thing that just, that's what, and we put all of our hope and all of our investment into something that doesn't honor God, and it discover, we discover when the storm hits, that actually does not hold. Sometimes it, it, it's a philosophy. Sometimes it's, well, I'm just gonna hold tightly to something, and I just, and we discover in the heat of the moment when things get tough, it doesn't, it doesn't hold because it was never designed to. So I don't base my life and my purpose on something that's false and, and maybe even 
A way to say it would be, we would talk about preferences, convictions, and absolutes. And we might say, man, I just absolutely believe this. But really, if you talk to God, he would say, actually, this is a preference. This isn't even an eternity thing. This is just your preference that you've slid over here. And unfortunately, it becomes a false anchor that threatens not just us, but our ability to be a voice. And as Jesus says, to let our light shine before people, that they might see our good deeds, our life, and give glory to our Father in heaven. Now, one of the things that I love about Jesus is when he teaches in fact, it even says in chapter, Matthew 7, verse 29, when Jesus spoke, he spoke as one who had authority, not just like the teachers of the law. So the Sermon on the Mount, I believe the greatest message ever, begins in chapter 5, verse 1, and it's Jesus laying out like how to live for God in a country that doesn't. So just so you know, this is not new. And he talks about the Beatitudes. These are principles of you reap what you sow, but Lives that are marked surrender to God. You say, God, I'm not in charge of me, you are. Now, what I love about that story is it culminates in chapter seven, verse 24 through 29. You might have heard of it as the wise and foolish builders. So here's what Jesus says. Therefore, everyone or anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person, wise man or woman, who built their house on a rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew. What, what does that mean? A storm hit. And it beat against that house and it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now he says, conversely, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person. They hear, but they don't apply. The book of James says, don't just be hearers of the word, do what it says. And Jesus says, the person who's foolish, the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Why? Because it's built on sand. And the tension we wrestle with is sometimes sand seems like it's easier to build on. And yet if any of you are builders in this room, like you've literally contractors, I had a pastor come up, a friend come up and talk to me, not a pastor, excuse me a guy that does building, said you'd think that it'd be easier to build on sand, but of course it has to be shored up. And the tension we live with is this. Sometimes we think we're building our life on the rock, but we're only by the rock. So we have this false sense of security. I'm good. You might even have even weathered a few storms because they didn't hit you directly, but when a storm hits your life, if it's not on the rock, Jesus says, it won't stand. So being by the rock is not the same as being on the rock. And ultimately, what this, what this means for us is if I want my life to be anchored, I have to ask, what's the foundation I'm anchoring my life to? How many of you like to, having people tell you what to do? Oh, come on. So I remember, how many are old enough to remember when remote controls didn't exist? Anyone? Okay, so I, I was just at the tail end, right? They hadn't been invented yet. And so my dad, Sunday morning, we'd go to church, and then now it's Seahawks Sunday. I grew up in Seattle area. And so he'd be like, hey, Jeffrey, come in here. And I'm like, oh, my dad loves me. He's like, I, can you change the channel? <laughs> now, he does love me, and he's actually an awesome man of God. My parents are amazing. 
but I was the actual, before remote controls, you're looking at them. Yeah, how many remember when the, the, the clicker thing broke and you had a screwdriver shoved in there, right? It's a, it's a flathead, not the Phillips, okay? The Phillips messes everything up and you're watching the same channel, channel seven for 10 weeks, right? But my dad would, would say, hey, come in here, okay, Go to channel seven, game's about to start. And then, do you remember before cable, right? And so you had an antenna. You all rich people had them on your roof. We didn't, okay? And so we had a hanger from our closet that had been unspoiled, whatever that is. And, and, and so I would go in, some of you remember this. And like the moment I got in and changed the channel, I was like, oh, reception's better. Jeffrey, stay there. But I need you to slide back a little bit because you're, you're like... And like, hey, how long do you want me to be here? He's like, not that long, just during the whole game. So here's the thing about remotes. It has lulled us into thinking we have to have control of every part of our life. So we're like, I, I, I mean, I want to be all in with Jesus. I want to build my life on the rock, but not fully. Now, not everyone thinks that, but some of us have at times. Others might say, um, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. It's like, why would we not put our, put, build our life on the rock? Because we don't want to be told. We don't want to be managed. We don't want, and yet there's beauty in submission and surrender. So the question is, am I submitting myself to the one who is worth building my life on? Am I putting myself in a current that pushes me towards that or pulls me from it? And will I do this? Will I just say, God, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna surrender control because I trust you. And then what happens, and many of you, this is decades of your life. You've had your life built on a rock and now you're trying to convince other people, come on up, there's room for you up here too. And that's the beauty of a life in a church that's living on purpose and for a purpose. I, I, I opened with F.E. Steadfast. I wanna close with that. Because we did three fisheries during that summer. The first one was halibut. It was 48 hours. It was long lining, lots of work. <clears throat> the second one was black cod. When I say long lining, it's these tubs of line. Cowboys use rope, fishermen use line. And like every four feet, there was a hook and a leader. And we had to put a piece of bait on it. And there was tens of thousands of hooks. Well, we finally got into salmon season. And I remember the first trip we went out for salmon season, the weather was rough, but you know, you can't make money unless the net's in the water, okay? So it's not like, come on fish, you have to go to them as it turns out. And so I remember we were heading out, we're going to this prize fishing spot our captain knew about. And as we made our way towards there, a massive storm comes in. And it was one of those storms where, you know, it was an advisory, Noah, gale force winds are coming. And so I saw the captain as we began to, to navigate the storm and I could see there was a little bit of fear in his eyes. <clears throat> and when a seasoned captain has a little bit of fear in his eyes, there's a lot of fear in this guy's eyes. But what's powerful is the captain knew what I didn't and he tried to tell us, but we were freaking out because of the, you know. He was slowly taking us into a safe harbor. And I can remember this in my, in my I, I, all of the senses remember this day. And we made our way, like fighting the waves, 
bang, a 65-foot boat, bang, just being tossed like driftwood. And we finally turned this corner on this little, it's called a, a, an eddy, a hook. And you go around the end of it and we go into a safe harbor. And you remember that anchor I never once thought about when I looked at the boat on dry dock? Remember that? I now was so grateful. And the sound of the anchor being deployed, splashing the water, landing on the bottom. And now we are safe. And I, I, I remember this amazing sense that when the, when the anchor went down and everything kind of settled, the current from all of the storm outside of this bay began to take the boat in a circle around the anchor. And we were safe because we were anchored. And I want to propose all y'all can be too. And it's inviting Jesus again or for the first time, would you be the anchor of my life? Uh, uh, that other metaphor, I'm gonna build my, I'm letting down my remote. I'm choosing to build my life on the rock. And what happens when that decision gets set into motion is that peace that we heard about earlier. And Jesus invites us to experience what in him what we can't experience on our own. I've got three things I want you just to consider. They can be responses, they can be prayers, they can be action items. Here, here's the three. Number one, who or what have become false anchors in your life? And in my experience, most of it, it's either a relationship or it's a, it's a thought, it's a way I've been thinking. I say, God, I just surrender this. The second question or response action item is, what am I doing? And by the way, you're already doing this, watching this, or just being here. But outside of a, a Sunday, which is so valuable, what am I doing to put myself in God's current? So that the drift is not to the, how did I get here? It's, how did I get here? And this is what you're doing as a church. Like these pillars are really currents taking you somewhere. And what's so powerful is it's not just about what happens here or to you, it's what happens through you. Here's the last question. It's actually the most important question any of us will ever answer. And maybe today you're gonna say this, I'm choosing to anchor my life to Jesus. How many times have I re-upped and re-anchored? And every time God does this, But if today you want to surrender your life to Christ, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Simple doesn't mean simplistic. But the Bible says we were lost and in Christ we can be found. We were dead, in Christ we can have new life. So here's, the, here's literally a Bible quote. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and gives us a fresh start, purifies us from all the unrighteousness. How did I get here? And the answer is this. The message of the cross is that your goodness doesn't get you in, but your badness doesn't keep you out. It's the grace of God extended to us in Jesus Christ. 
Your goodness doesn't get you in because if you didn't, if you were so good you didn't need Jesus, he wouldn't have had to come. But if you could be so bad, the grace of God wouldn't reach into your brokenness and make something beautiful. And what's great is we're not the main character of the story, he is. So today we just say, God, I surrender. If you wanna lead you, invite Jesus to be Lord of your life, I wanna lead you in that prayer. And I wanna pray for those that are either in or approaching the storm. So would you bow your heads with me? If you wanna surrender your life to Christ today, you can invite him to be Lord of your life by praying something like this. Jesus, help. I can't rescue myself. I can't save myself. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so today, in this moment, I invite you to forgive me of my sins and to be Lord of my life. I declare, Jesus, you are Lord. I cede control. I put down the remote and invite you to to guide me and fill me. In Jesus' name I pray. And I pray for those navigating the storm. You might be sitting here right now and, and when people look at your life, they see that Tacoma Nero's and it's beautiful and it's pristine, but under, under the surface, it's tumultuous, it's chaos. And I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of whatever storm we navigate, you are an anchor that holds firm. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We look to you as our, as our, not our last hope, but our only hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 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 Would you stand with me all over this room? As you're standing, I'm gonna invite our prayer team to just make their way to the front. Some of them will be at the back as well and just find their positions. And the reason why we do this is because the word of God has been delivered to us and it's our responsibility to respond. Many of you may have prayed that prayer just a few moments ago to ask Jesus to come into your life. It's the best decision you'll ever make and it'll change your life and it does anchor you. And what what we would love to do is just come alongside you in those next steps of that journey. And so some of these men and women that are that are at these places of of, of prayer, we'd love just to connect our hearts with yours and and pray together with you and, and just walk those steps out. So please take advantage of, of that today. You may have come into this room with a physical need that, that you need that agreement together, as James says, that the prayer of faith would save the sick. And we believe that God heals. And there are these moments that we just... Um, we think are very significant. In fact, the last few days, Friday and Saturday, just because of our the schedule of things, we've had opportunities just to spend some time lingering in these altar moments. And I just want to encourage you that those moments are are for every moment that every time that we get together and worship. I love during our worship experiences that 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 people feel like I just need to. It, it's like there's this physical response to what God's doing spiritually, and sometimes people feel I need to be closer. And so I just 
just want you, church, to, to recognize, feel free and, and comfortable to worship. And sometimes for me, even personally, I just, I need to physically move out of the place where I'm at so that I can worship differently because that's what's happening on the inside. And, and so we, we just recognize that, um, that, that moment too. And we're grateful when people can pray together uh, with each other. Church, I'm take just a few seconds here, and I'm not trying to embarrass Joe and Faye. Would you stretch your hands towards this dear couple right now and let them feel the love of this church? Father, I pray right now for this couple. God, I'm so grateful for their friendship. I'm so grateful for what you are, are meaning in and through them, and let them just feel the love of this body and their family and their life right now. The peace that, that does go beyond any understanding would just invade their home and their marriage and their family. And God, I love this couple, and I know you do too. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Well, we'd love to pray together with you today as well. If, uh, if you have that need, we would just, you're part of a family that just loves you. And uh, it's just been a fun couple of days just soaking in God's spirit. I'm so excited about what God is doing in the future. Pastor Jeffrey, thank you for the word that you brought to us today, just the encouragement to be to be anchored. And uh, I'll, I'll try and I'll pray really hard to get the image of you slipping off that air mattress out of my mind. But it'll, it's going to be tough. So anyway, well, thank you for being and worshiping with us. Then that the house today. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you in your coming and going and may you be a reflection of God's grace in this community and your families and all over the triad. God bless you. We would love to pray together with you if you if you have a need. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you back Wednesday for prayer and Bible study here in the house. God bless you.